a Highline podcast. No normal people. friends and welcome to no normal people i'm your host Stephen henning and i'm your host dixie i can't breathe out of my nose henning and this is a podcast where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life you discover that there really are no normal people in your life and those normal people are allergic to the air <laughs> in summer in <laughs> summer, summer. <laughs> hey fever's here hey fever nice did it yeah gay fever more like no yeah it's pride month so <laughs> okay yeah it's, it's gay fever in june great <laughs> i was thinking of riffing on the show hey arnold nobody cares about that show so let's not do that hey arnold is one of those shows where like i remember that it exists but i know nothing about it even though i used to watch it a lot i just know that it doesn't take place in america and he has a football-shaped head. Yeah. American football-shaped head. Because... American football. A football in any other country. You know, it's funny that... So, like, let's get sphere. into this. Let's get into this. Because now you, you've you triggered me. Okay? And let's talk about this. Soccer, calling that football, makes perfect sense. You want to know why? You touch it with your feet. It's mostly feet. You know what you do with a... Uh, an American football, and mostly, you pick it up and you carry it and you throw it. Yeah. You're touching with your hands 90% of the time. The only time you kick it is like when the one guy does the kick at the end with the big pointy fork thing. That's a punt or yeah. a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like- It's a lot of hand stuff in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas those Europeans and those South Americans are in yeah. like foot stuff, you know? They're pedextrous. Interesting. Pedestrian pedestrian that's fun i always pretend like i'm a sports fan when the big one is here i love like, sports games when the world cup is on i pretend that i've been following a team forever i try to figure out who in the room is cheering for what team and i yeah. will always choose i will always cheer for the team that is not being cheered for yeah just because i like conflict that's not even an underdog thing. It's no, like no, no. you literally are just contrarian. Yeah, I would rather just get in a fight with you about the the kicker guy well, from great. the other team and how great he is and how much better he is than whatever Mahomes is. Yeah. That what is does he do? Mahomes. Mahomes. I knew a, a sports name. Yeah, good job. I Patrick did Mahomes. It. He is the quarterback for, for the, the Kansas kids. City Chiefs. I was going to say it. Yeah. I had it. He's really good at his job. And he's younger than me, and that makes me feel sad about me. I hope when he <laughs> retires, I hope when he retires, he goes into realty, and so he can yeah. just say, "Look at Mahomes." Mahomes, Mahomes. Mahomes, Holmes. That is. Come check out Mahomes. This is great branding. Thank you. Um, yeah, I will be taking a hundred dollars off of every one thousand dollars that you make, Mister Mahomes. When oh, you sell. as a branding tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. That's definitely how that works. <laughs> Clearly. It's already I already said it. It's it's 
it's legal. Okay. Probably. Great. I don't know. Well. <laughs> Come check out my homes. Anyway. This is great. We, I'm really proud of you. Sometimes we talk to people on this podcast that we've never met before. And then could be also, Patrick Mahomes. Could be. It's definitely not. What if it um, was? Though? It, it's not. That would be weird. Sometimes Stephen just interviews people <laughs> because Dixie is fragile, like like a, an emaciated bird, like a delicate bird. Yeah, like yeah. a bird that's already been hit by a car. Hay you know, fever, but is still alive. Yeah. Sometimes it's hay fever. Yeah. Or sometimes it's hay migraine. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. What I'm doing with the hay. I'm like, like I'm like Arnold. an old arthritic dog. Oh. You know, like sometimes I'm ready to go out and play the fetch. Totally. And other times I'm like, ugh, the air is too spicy My bones today. On fire. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not in this episode. <laughs> it's true. But welcome to the intro. Thank you for getting us there. Yeah. I got to interview my new friend, Kelly Skinner. Uh, she and I connected over podcasting. She has a podcast of her own called Everything is Spiritual that is a, a show that explores like ecumenical faith. Say that again. In ecumenical is a really fancy word of saying like interfaith dialogue. That so was like she, a $6 word. So she on her podcast has interviewed uh, Jewish folks, uh, Sufi mystics mm-hmm. in the uh, the Muslim traditions, Hindus. Uh, yeah, just like creating a ecumenical a space, safe space for yeah. everybody to talk about their stuff. Yeah, and it's an extension of this very cool urban retreat center that she's created in Illinois, where like you think retreat center and you think like mountains of Kentucky, right? And like alone with your I thoughts have, in nature. I have never thought that. Okay. But, okay. But hers is like <laughs> it's a space on a city street that you can go and you can go like rent a room for an hour just to be quiet and meditate or read or pray or anything really just uh, creating a space for mental health and for spiritual growth and all that. It's very, very cool. I got to learn some of Kelly's story. Uh, You know, I, I don't need to talk about it too much because it's, it's a great like, story coming. It's almost like you interviewed her and they can find out by listening. It's true. I bet we should just listen That's to so it. That's so weird. Let's do it. <laughs> Here we go. are going to get started with some rapid fire questions, Kelly. These are just either or from the gut. No need to overthink them too much. Sweet or savory? Savory. Rain or sun? Rain. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. Cats or dogs? (laughs) Dogs. Homebody or free spirit? A free spirit. Spender or saver? Oh, I am am a saver. Yeah. Do you call it soda or pop? I call it soda. Books or movies? Books. Introvert or extrovert? Um, an extroverted introvert. What does that mean to you? <laughs> uh, it means that I love being with people, but I, I also need time to myself. Uh, especially for recharging time for to recharging. yourself? For recharging, yeah. As a highly sensitive person, I definitely need that 
recharge space. That's great. But I do get fired up by being with people. Right. I love that. Moving on to the icebreakers. That the, those either or questions are like the most stressful part of the show. So now you can breathe easy. Everything's <sighs> everything is smooth from now on. Um we'll this start with what's your favorite smell? Ooh. Um, so I am a hugely smell-oriented person. Yeah. And uh maybe one of my retirement careers might be a sommelier or like a Ooh. bourbon taster because I can pick out all those smells in things. But I really like musky smells. Okay. And so my family, it, I don't know, it's my favorite smell, but when you ask me that, my family makes fun of me because I really like a subtle smell of skunk. A subtle smell. Okay. Yeah, not like the, like you just got sprayed with skunk and it's like really powerful, but like when you're driving down the road and you smell like there's a skunk, I really like that smell. You like it. That's <laughs> yeah, fascinating. That is a first answer for sure. Uh -huh. that, yeah, but I first. like musky smells. Great. I even you, have like a perfume that has like an underlying musky smell. Yeah, you say musky and I, I start thinking of like the smell of uh, like gardening. Gardening or like, like not dirty sweat, but like hard work sweat. Sure. Totally. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. What was your or who was your first pet? So... We had cats growing up mm -hmm. and we had Carmel and Cleo were sister pet cats. Yeah. And my dad is a huge cat person. So um, we had cats and then we adopted a, a city dog. We lived in the or we lived in a suburb in quiet suburbia, mm -hmm. and we adopted the city dog who um, had never gone to the bathroom in grass. <laughs> so um, we we took him from a friend who couldn't have him in his apart in the apartment anymore, and like acclimated him to the suburbs. Yeah, and uh, and he was more my brother's dog than my dog, but um, yeah. So I remember my. Cats and Sandpiper the dog. Sandpiper. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you have a favorite novel? Um. Yes. So Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett okay. is um, one of my favorite novels. It's a multiple generation uh, historical fiction about the building of a cathedral. And oh. it's it's really good. I love that. I'm going to have yes. to look into that. They did make a miniseries like movie out of it. Yeah. That was halfway decent. But as we know, um, the book is still better. Absolutely. <laughs> and there are sequels and prequels to it as well. But that still remains like oh. of all the series and everything, that one. And then one of my other ones is Watership Down. A classic. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite dine-in restaurant? Hmm. No, I don't have a favorite dine-in restaurant. And that's partially because I don't have a lot of favorite of anything because I really like new experiences. Uh, so yes. even if I would have like someplace that I enjoy going to, I wouldn't have a favorite. Sure. Do you like being surprised? I love being surprised. <laughs> I love it. All about a surprise birthday party. 
anything yes. like that. Yes. Yes. Now there's something about like no control. And I also am very observant and like, um, like I pick up on things. So in some ways it's hard to surprise me because people oh. are not clever enough to surprise me. So I get disappointed when somebody is not clever enough to actually surprise me, sure. but I love being surprised. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are there any foods that you just don't eat? I don't eat lima beans. Also a classic. I don't yeah. eat liver. I don't eat mayonnaise. Oh, okay. For a long time, I didn't like white foods growing up. I was very picky growing up. So I didn't like ranch dressing. I didn't like. Wow. Just based on the colors. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I just didn't like things that were like white and creamy. Sure. So like not sour cream, not oh, yogurt, yeah. not. Yeah. There you go. I don't know. But I still don't. I like a lot of those things now, just not mayonnaise. Right. Yeah. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever voluntarily participated in? Well, I am a child of the 80s. So I went to high school like 80, 85 to 89. So pick pick one, any just of the 80s. bad fashion. Yeah, the 80s fashion. <laughs> um, I did them all. Sure. And... <laughs> they were all particularly bad. Right. <laughs> that's that's a good blanket answer. I like uh-huh. that. It's yes. just it's just 80s. It's just 80s. <laughs> Although I will have to say I was talking with somebody yesterday and she reminded me like I let my mom influence my like what I wore a lot. So I look back mm. at some of my pictures and I look like being in high school or being in middle school and I look like I look like a middle-aged woman. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was, just was bad. Probably because you were being dressed by a middle-aged woman, right? I Probably because I was being dressed as a middle-aged woman, yes. Amazing. But, yeah, it's just bad. Amazing. <laughs> Could you name your biggest pet peeve? Something that just gets uh, under your skin. Yeah. Um, I, I have many. I'm just having a hard time thinking of one right now sure i don't i hate people talking with their mouth full oh like with full of food yeah i really don't like that right yes. like focus on one focus on one <laughs> don't talk and eat at the same time yeah. don't chew, chew it don't show it there's visuals <laughs> there's sounds that are all just uh-huh. un- yeah, things, unpleasant no. absolutely no. no do you have a collection of anything hmm i have a collection of books I have lots and lots of books. Yeah. Um, I have almost every Stephen King book in hardback. Wow. I really like Stephen King as an author. Oh, absolutely. I have a collection of drafts from another phase of my life that are all boxed up. So I don't really collect them anymore, but I haven't gotten rid of them either. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you are not one for many favorites. Right. But one of my favorite questions is, do you have a favorite failure maybe that's something like something that taught you a lesson that has stuck with you or set you up for future success Uh, wow um wow one the first thing that came into my mind was when i was in college i worked for a hallmark store and uh i used to 
I still I still have a little bit of a problem with this, but it was much more pronounced when I was younger. I used to be perpetually late. Late. Ah. And late I was not very good about um, managing my time, being conscientious of time. Mm. To it, like it was a joke in my family about that as well. Oh no! And so I was late quite a bit to this job and ended up getting fired for it. Mm. And I think in many ways that was a wake up call to try to be a little bit more cognizant. Yeah. About that and what that you know responsibility is and and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. So finally for the icebreakers, um, Mm -hmm. when you were little, what did you tell people you wanted to be when you grew up? You know, I, I don't think I told anybody anything that I wanted to be when I grew up. You weren't asked that constantly in grade school or anything? Yeah, I'm sure I was, (laughs) but, um, I don't remember having an answer to it. I was pretty, um, I was pretty smart, like growing up, I was always the youngest in my class, but always like the the most mature and the smartest and wh- what whatever. And I was also kind of like an introvert. I was an introvert mm-hmm. and kind of reclusive. So maybe I think when I grew up, I just wanted to fall into a book, like go into Narnia or something. Oh, <laughs> classic. I think that's probably what I wanted to do. That's great. <laughs> yes. Well, fantastic. Kelly Skinner, thank you so much for being on No Normal People with me today. I am looking forward to the next hour getting to know you. So in way of getting introduced to you, I mean, that's basically the whole podcast, right? Is like, we're going to build your bio together rather than me give a bio and then we talk about what you do. So I like to start from the beginning. So would you tell me where you grew up and what your family was like growing up with as little or as much detail as you prefer? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, this even just this first couple minutes ha- is such a gift. Oh, thank you. Um, how often do we really get to speak openly and honestly and vulnerably about ourselves? Um, so thank yeah. you for this opportunity. I, lo- I love to do it. I want to create the space for someone to talk about themselves and feel like worthy of the time we're all giving you, right? Like worthy. Even yeah. just speaking to the listeners who are listening to us at this very moment, like they showed up for you. Yeah. You know, and I love that. Yeah. I love plus you, Kelly, are the world's foremost leading expert on Kelly Skinner. So Absolutely. I can't think of a better person to talk to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um th- these are just delicious concepts. Um, so growing up, so I actually live in Illinois right now. I live in East Central Illinois, and I talk about how I probably am a Midwesterner at heart, but I didn't grow up in the Midwest. I kind yeah. of like made my way to the Midwest. I actually grew up in um, the suburbs of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. About 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And very much a community that was built in the 60s. Um, My dad was one of the first people who bought our, you know, four-bedroom suburban house in the development. So we knew all of our neighbors. And in a lot of ways, my neighbors were very much my family. 
Mm. Um, because my extended family, outside of my nuclear family, um, my extended family actually lives all over the place. So I have aunts and uncles in California. I have an aunt that lives in Australia. Hmm. Um, I have uh, an aunt that lives in Florida. So my extended family didn't necessarily live near us. Yeah, very scattered about. Very scattered. And my grandparents all passed away before I was 10. Hmm. So in a lot of ways, like my, my neighborhood and our church were our family. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in outside of Philadelphia. I have a younger brother who's two years older than or two years two years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And then my mom and dad. My parents, neither one of them went to college. And both of them, my dad is um an Irish immigrant, but very, very young. Like sure. he, he came over very young, like four or five. Yeah. At that point is he considered First generation still or what first generation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My grandmother was actually a maid and my grandfather was a chauffeur for like a, a richer family yeah. in Philadelphia. It's called Society Hill. Wow. So, wow. Um, th- yeah. So they, my dad grew up like they call like pretty much in the garage. They called it the carriage house, but pretty much the garage of like the rich family. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, And I'm the oldest, not just in my family, but of all the extended family, like I'm the first cousin. So um, I had a lot of, there was a lot of expectations placed on me and a lot of like pinning the hopes of the, of the future on me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that comes from, cause that's, that's subtly ringing a few bells of how familiar I am with like Irish culture in general, especially mm-hmm. that like immigrant ethos, I guess, mm-hmm. like comes from there. I, I know a little bit about your background, just having listened to your podcast as well. So I'm sure there's an element of Catholicism in there too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we are. And I, I went to 12 years of Catholic school, Yeah, went to a Catholic community. My dad and my my mom worked for our parish um, mm-hmm. as the parish secretary. Wow. My family was like super involved in the church. Sure. So you said Catholic school, all 12 grades then, like all the way through high school. All the way through high school. Wow. Yep. Private, all girls, Catholic high school. Private, all girl. Okay. Yeah. That is an experience certainly I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. What kind of, I'm curious, what kind of person were you in high school? Like what, what kind of things were you getting up to as far as like extracurriculars, but also like what, I don't know, like what subjects even in class mm-hmm. resonated with yeah. you? So I was your classic nerd, bookworm, unpopular, like awkward. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I didn't have very many, like I had a lot of acquaintances and not very many close friends. Sure. I had like a group, I had a group of girls that I hung around with. One of my friends that I made in middle school Mm. that went to a different school and we met at the roller rink. (laughs) Fantastic. she actually went to the high school as well. So I hung out with her and like became friends with her friends and they were all a grade higher than me. Oh, okay. So my senior year was really interesting because I totally had to like wow. make friends with people in my own 
Yeah. Because they all move on a year before. Yes, because they all moved on a year before me. Wow. But I did. I did theater. I was a huge theater person. And I both acted and did like behind the scenes, like directing and props and sets and things like that. And I loved that a lot. Do you think you like that more than being on stage? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I had to try being on stage. I'm not I I'm terrible at memorization. So that scared the pants off of me was having uh, to memorize lines. Um, so, yeah, I really liked being in control as a director. <laughs> director or building uh-huh. a set. Right. Creating uh-huh. the experience. Yeah. yeah. Behind the scenes. Yep. I was in chorus. Mm-hmm. I was in French club because I studied French. That's what I, oh, and I did the yearbook. I did, yeah, I, I like wrote for the newspaper and I did the yearbook. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So I was really involved in those things. Right. So all the way through high school, in uh-huh. Catholic school, in uh-huh. Pennsylvania, right? In Pennsylvania. Yep. After graduating high school, did you go straight to college from there? And what was that experience yep. like for you? Like, what did you go to study? Where did you go if you moved out of state? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I definitely knew that I, I I was going to college. It wasn't a choice. Although I want, I mean, I wanted to go to college, sure. but it just never like there really wasn't. It never occurred to me that there w- like that's not what the next step was supposed to be. Sure. I imagine that is at least one of the layers of like being the oldest of all the cousins Mm-hmm. Right in the culture you grew up with and the in the family structure you did like absolutely college expectations right yes yeah yes from from very young I mean I I think in my life it I think I struggled a little bit in my thirties because or even when I was like maybe mid twenties after I got married and have kids so it must have been in my third my thirties when I got married and have kids and I was like I've checked all the boxes I've gone through the path like wow. I went to college I went to grad school I got married I had kids wow okay so what am I supposed to do next yeah <laughs> and then it was like almost literally up to you like oh yeah I guess we'll see so yeah, nobody tells you all that stuff so yeah definitely expected to go to college my parents had no clue about like the college search process. So pretty much I did all of that on my own. Wow. My dad drove me to some college visits mm-hmm. or, or to all my college visits, actually. I mean, he 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 went with me, but they had no clue yeah. about like what to ask or like, how do you evaluate or what kind of college you should go to? Sure. I knew I wanted to do communications and I thought that I wanted to do TV and radio or TV and movies, like, again, behind the scenes stuff. Oh, yeah. Video, you know, videos were were a big thing back then. So that was kind of the up and coming technology. But nobody told me, like, you actually look for a school where you should be able to get, like, experience on that. Oh, Oh, no. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I ended up going. I went to a small liberal arts school in Virginia. It's actually called Virginia Beach or Virginia Wesleyan Methodist school. I knew I didn't want to go to a Catholic school. So I totally discounted that, which I, I wish that I hadn't. Hmm. Can you speak to that? So later in my life, I worked for Marquette, which is a Jesuit Catholic school and loved it. And I totally would have eaten it up Mm, had I 
like looked at a Jesuit school, but I didn't know anything about Jesuit schools and I just didn't want to do more like Catholic school. Sure. Yeah. Did you just Because I only feel, had one impression. Yeah. Almost like, was that any kind of like teenage rebellion of like, I'm done with the Catholic thing for a while? Or it was more just like, th- this sounds like the elements of your life. Like you're, you're always looking for something new, right? You don't have a favorite restaurant because you're looking for a new experience. The Catholic experience yeah. happened. I think it was kind of some of that, like I've had this experience now for 12 years and what else is out there? Yeah, right. Because I was still really involved. Like I was involved in like I went on retreats and I did a lot mm. of stuff with like other Catholic students. Yeah. It was just more like I've done I've done this and now let's do something else. Gotcha. And the college that I ended up picking, I, I got a full ride to mm. um, f- as a. Uh, honors, you know, as an honor student. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Um, I got to be what was called a Wesleyan scholar. Uh, so pretty much I got a full ride. Yeah. And it was six hours away. And I called it the call, like my parents called it the College of Far, Far Away, because that's pretty much like I wanted to go and not be where I grew up and right. not. Like, I wanted to start over. Get out from the shadow of, like, your parents' wing everything. a little bit. Yeah. Of everything. Sure. And not, like, I wanted to reinvent myself. I wanted to not be the nerdy girl anymore. I wanted to not, like, I yeah. wanted to have new friends. I wanted to have new experiences and, right. like, put a lot of that stuff behind me. Yeah. So, did it work? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> So you stayed the nerdy girl. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, yes and no. It did It did a little bit. But I just, uh, again, I, I just had this fabulous conversation yesterday. I met a new friend and we had so many things in common. And she was reflecting back to me some of these things. So we were, we were talking about some of these things. And she said, you know, as much as you want to, like, run away from some of those things, you don't realize mm. that you carry them with you. So oh, yeah. Okay. Even though you're away from the situations and the people and everything else, like until you kind of like heal yourself, you carry all that dysfunction and like way of being in the world with you. So it's not about the people in the place. It's actually about you. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of sitting with that. That's yeah. I know that was pretty deep revelation. So so try as you might heading into college. Yeah, try as I might. I didn't know. I mean, I um, I probably like my, after the first couple months, I I got a boyfriend. I joined a sorority. I started doing um, the yearbook. I did plays. Yeah. So I I did have a a lot of good experiences, but also was like super insecure Mm. and kind of codependent. And was always very much like a like a chameleon people pleaser and wasn't good about like sharing myself because I was kind of afraid of being rejected. And I didn't like I had no role models to teach me how to be a different way. Hmm. So hmm. I had a, a decent college experience and there's lots of things that I appreciate from that time of my life. But, you know, looking back at 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 my younger self, I'm like, man, like they're, I just want to give her a hug. <laughs> oh yeah. So 
um, by the time that the undergrad is over, what degree did you graduate with, first of all? Yeah, so I I did graduate with a communications and sociology undergrad. Okay. I I had two amazing experiences as internships. So again, going to a small liberal arts college in a kind of technical career. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get a lot of like hands-on experience. I got a lot of like theory about communications and like study of communications, but I wanted to know how to do like the hands-on stuff. Yeah. And so I did, I actually did a, um, an internship with Pat Robertson's, uh, 700 club. Wow. Okay. Which was filmed on the campus. They had a studio on the campus of Liberty university in Virginia beach. And so I, like I worked camera and I helped edit and I got to be in the control room and I did sound and yeah. worked a Chiron, which was what they used to do the digital, like the, the lower thirds of yep. things. Yep. And I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you get the experience you were craving and you learned you didn't like it. I wow. hated it. I, I, it was like way too much pressure to like cutthroat, even yeah. for this like Christian right. television place. Yeah. I hated it. So I'm like, okay, great. That, that didn't work out. I had another internship with the city of Virginia Beach doing event management. Okay. And I really, really liked that. And then um, I helped start our programming board. So like the group that brought the speakers and the comedians and the concerts and stuff for Mm, our campus. Yeah. And I loved that. And in many ways, I feel like I also kind of like triple majored. So I got communication, sociology, and extracurriculars was the other thing that I kind of majored in. Sure. Because I was in student government and I did this programming board and I I did a lot. I did yearbook. I did a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then I found out that you could get your master's degree and like work in extracurricular stuff. So that's where the decision came. Yeah. So I went to grad school um, for student affairs. Sure. At the same Um, school or did you end up moving? No, I went to... Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which oh. is in the western part of Pennsylvania. Interesting. Okay. In the Pennsylvania State School sure. system. And part of the reason why I went to that school was because they gave every student a graduate assistantship that helped you pay for school. Oh, yeah, fantastic. And again, I learned my lesson and you got a lot of hands-on experience. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's the hands-on experience of the stuff you were into Loving. right yeah wasn't yep. it the cutthroat stuff or maybe it was but at least you were resonating yeah. with it i t- yeah this was more like i worked i worked for the school and worked with the group that mm. like advised i advised the group in leadership and i advised them as they were trying to bring concerts and comedians and bands and that's great yeah and like the organization that did all that. I worked with the student leaders who were doing that. Right. Fantastic. So if I'm picking up on the timeline correctly, is this is grad school where you ended up meeting who became your husband? Yeah. Very good. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So my, my husband was actually one of my students that I advised, Yeah. but, um, he was the same age as me. So I was a grad student 
And he was a fifth-year undergrad who graduated in December. Gotcha. Okay. Finishing out like a winter semester kind of thing. Yeah, an extra semester. So I met him and worked with him. And him and his best friend, I found out later, had a bet about who was going to get to date the grad student. Um, (laughs) Okay. And and nobody won because, well, I guess he won in the end, but... um, I didn't date either one of them while I was while they were still my students. Sure, but we were at a um, we were at a conference together, and he was like, "Oh, would would you?" Oh no, we were. You know, he would always like, "Oh, can we hang out? Can we do this? Can we do that?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll hang out," but like, I'm your supervisor, so it's not like yeah. with other people we can hang out. And um, I told him I wouldn't date him while he was my student that feels like an integrity move yeah definitely yeah that was a really smart mature move on my part right and we were at a conference after he had graduated and he was trying to find a job and i was there as an attendee and he was sitting next to me and he goes now will you go out on a date with me wow very forward very persistent well played yep so (laughs) we dated after he graduated and I was still in grad school, yeah, we got married after I graduated from grad school and we moved to Milwaukee Okay, uh, where I worked for Marquette and mm-hmm. he did newspaper advertising. So he worked for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and we lived in Milwaukee and it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Then I got invited to uh, apply for a job in Indianapolis with, with my sorority. And so my sorority moved their headquarters from Springfield, Missouri to Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. and they had lost a lot of their staff. So they were trying to like rebuild their staff because people didn't want to like move from Springfield to Indianapolis. Yeah. So I interviewed and got the job. And so we decided to move to Indianapolis and he ended up working for the Indianapolis Star. And uh, one of my very, very good friends is the woman who was in my position for the sorority in Springfield Mm -hmm. who didn't move. Yeah. And we knew each other kind of before that, but just because I took this job and we got to interact a lot more, she became one of my very best friends. Wow. And we had our children there in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And then um, he was, in 2004, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Wow. wow. And we managed him having the brain tumor for about nine months, and then he passed away. Wow. So um, my son was one, and my daughter was three Wow. when he passed. Oh. And we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary while he was in rehab. And he passed in 2005. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is a huge life moment, of course. Yeah, that's a, uh, like, like not, I always call it, like, before that was life 1.0, and after that was life 2.0. Yeah. You're listening to my interview with Kelly Skinner, and we'll be right back. And we're right back. Look at us. We back. Welcome baby. to the mid-roll, babe. I almost said the B word. We back. Oh. B word. I didn't. But let's 
I have a different B word for you. Beans. Uh. <laughs> We're back with beans, guys. It's not not that we left. We never left with the beans, but we have the beans. And if you want the beans, you can get the beans. We just recently got ourselves, we refilled ourselves with a two-pound bag of the Highline Media. A hacking two-pound bag of the beans. Delicious coffee. I have been dialing in my AeroPress game yep. lately. Iced AeroPress. Baby. Yeah, it's all about that wet and dry yields, but so in the opposite order. Numbers and stuff with the scale and it's stuff. It's taken so long for you to like actually care about coffee. I'm getting there. And I'm really proud. And you know what really inspired me to get good with coffee is... These beans. When you have good coffee to work with. Them beans are sometimes so it's, good. Sometimes it's really hard to know if you're going to get anything good when mm-hmm. you get coffee at a grocery store. Or let's be honest, sometimes when you go to a coffee shop that pretends to be good roasters... We've worked Pretends. at places like that. Yeah. I don't think they pretend to be. <sighs> they know what they, they make. They know that they make greasy, gross brown nudes. But here's the thing. Excuse <laughs> you. But here's the thing is that Revel Coffee here in Billings, Montana makes some of the best coffee we have ever had with an international award up on the wall Heckin as they yeah. do so. So head on over to the Highline shop, grab a bag, let them know that no normal people sent you and we will get a bag of coffee fresh roasted for you and in the mail on its way no normal people is a proud founding member of the highline media network and you know what's funny we've been a part of the highline media network for long enough that it is not okay for me to not know what our name is that's true it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit but we do this work we proudly do this work besides shows like the whiskey bench and keller's couch and into heckin yeah and today we would love to feature a short teaser from a recent episode from our sister show ravel sister sister I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say sometimes doing this show gives me a a feeling of imposter syndrome of like, who the heck am I to talk about any of this? Sure. You know? Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, But at the same time, Mm. I I can counterpoint myself kind of with this whole philosophical idea I have around my other show, No Normal People, and the Highline Network that we made as a group. Like, I think the thing about theology is that it does belong to normal people. What have you learned since, so 2005, mm-hmm. what have you learned? Cause I, I have to imagine this ends up some, some of what you deal with, especially through grief and mourning. Absolutely. There's a lot of spiritual growth that can happen if you seize on the opportunity to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. What have you learned about grief that now I'm jumping a tiny bit ahead because I no, that's I, I certainly want to talk about what you do with your retreat center now, mm-hmm. but I imagine you get to speak into people's lives about grief and about yes. the, the, the like the transformative nature of that. So yes. with the advent of life 2.0, uh, mm-hmm. as if you could only just boil it down to like one lesson or something. Uh, but mm-hmm. what what comes to mind that you get to now speak into people's lives having gone through that transition and that loss? Yeah. Um, 
I think, so number one, one of the big lessons from that period, as somebody who was kind of, I, I was very uh, super independent because I didn't want to rely on mm. other people. Yeah. And again, it was that whole like, if I rely on you or connect with you, then I could be like rejected by you. So I was wow. very like wow. super strong and independent. Right. And one of the huge lessons from that time when people were offering to help and provide support yeah. was learning how to accept help and support and that it's more of a like yes they're giving you something but you're giving them something by accepting somebody's help oh interesting and it's not weakness to need or accept help wow i i think i could hear that just a hundred times a day right now, especially in the phase of life that Dixie and I are in with the uh, yes. potential adoption upon us. Mm-hmm. We we've been talking a lot in the last few days of like, we, this is forcing us to realize that we need to become the people who accept help with an eager. Yes. Thank you. Right. Instead Absolutely. of, instead of like trying to hold on in like a white knuckled way of like, no, we can do this ourselves. Like we don't yeah. like, Yes. And, and it's such a get like you think that you're getting a gift. Yeah. But you're actually re- you're giving a gift by accepting somebody else's offer of help. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because now, I mean, even in a psychological way, right, they have the gratification of knowing that they have pitched in. Right. And they're yes. part of a support system. Yes, because wow. people want to feel wanted and needed and, and that what they do matters and that like it feels good to help somebody. So you're giving them a gift by accepting their offer of help. Wow. Yeah, that was a huge revelation for me. That era was also a turning point or a beginning of being able to experience and feel my emotions. Mm. So being able to experience and feel sadness and anger and desperation and grief and, and allow myself to cry and, and yell and be like all of the emotions. So that was a big step for me was like, again, emotions aren't weakness. Right. And when I started to learn about the Enneagram, which has been a huge like way for me to give language to how I exist in the world, one of the like revelations about the Enneagram number or type that I am yeah. came from that experience because I- I'm an Enneagram 8 and unhealthy Enneagrams try to like control like you have a big heart but you try to control everything right and it's some of it is like addressing the injustices in the world and and through my strength and through my power i'm gonna fix all the injustices yeah and i went through this period while my husband carl was sick where i literally thought that i was going to be able to research my way into finding 
the thing that was going to cure his cancer. Yeah. Like I was going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, Especially when it's, uh, my wife and I talk about this a lot. Dixie, she, she also identifies as an eight and she at times can very much identify with the poem that, uh, one of the lines is like rage against the dying of the light. Right. It's like, I I am just going to like, you can't tell me that mm -hmm. I'm going to let this go. Right. Mm -hmm. And when, when it feels like you're doing battle and against an injustice such as cancer, right? Like Mm -hmm. what a mammoth thing Mm -hmm. that just like visits all of us at some point. Like, like, I, I don't think you can talk to a single person who doesn't know at least someone who, has has been touched by that exactly yeah. so feeling that injustice kind of like darken your threshold right yeah and it's like no i can't let you in but at the same time like we we know enough about cancer to know that we don't know enough yet right however yeah. i said that that feels right to me it's like i, I can't yeah. do anything about it and that loss of control must have been just oh it was horrible huge, huge. yeah it was horrible right. and it didn't come out in very healthy ways. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it also like I look back and and like I was working full time and raising two kids and yeah. dealing with with him and he was in like either the hospital or a rehab center. Huh. He he fought it for nine months and he was either in the hospital or in a rehab center for wow. half of that time. Wow. Yeah. And then when he was at home, he was uh, a lot, there was a lot of caretaking that needed to happen. Which even that, like just the adjustment to your daily life, like that, oh, the, the grieving process started with the diagnosis, not even. The grieving process started it, with diagnosis. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't simply start right with the loss itself or the absolutely memorial yes. service or something absolutely. like that, right? Like, Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Because this was always going to be a terminal. I mean, it was a terminal diagnosis. It was just a question of how much time. Yeah. And it could be nine months. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. It could be whatever. But I mean, that particular type of cancer is always terminal. Sure. Wow. That's so hard. So as life 2.0 then. Yeah. Continues to progress, right? You have two little ones. Yep. Had two little ones. Uh, what was that evolution like? Honestly, there's a whole lot that I don't remember from like two years after. Yeah. Like after it all happened. But eventually, I mean, I was still in my early 30s. And um, my husband who passed was always like, you like you can't have your life stop. Yeah. And I really want you to go ahead and have a life. Yeah. And then my mom was like, yeah, you should start dating. (laughs) So at the time, the um, online dating was like a huge thing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I signed up for uh, Match.com and I signed up for another one and I signed up for eHarmony, which was like really new at the time. And, you know, I just had, again, I had this like summer of new experiences, meeting new things like, oh my gosh, I date and this is horrible and um, I have no idea how to date texting was like a brand new thing back then so like like you didn't have to just deal with the phone calls like oh do I call does the other person call now you have to be like well am I like 
desperation texting or not? And like, what's the rules around this? And oh my gosh. When we're really scrutinizing how many, like three dot, Ugh. dot, 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 right? Means yeah. so much in a text. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so I ended up meeting my current husband through eHarmony. Yeah. And at the time when I met him, he was in Illinois and I was in Indiana. Yeah. And it was actually a fabulous arrangement because he was 90 miles away in a different time zone. And I could totally compartmentalize my life and I could have my wow, like my boyfriend on the side. But I didn't I like I wasn't going to get remarried. I didn't need a, a, a husband for my or a father for my kids. Sure. I, like I could have my fun. <laughs> Right. And, I have the fun. And then over here, I'm the I'm the badass single mom with the career. Yeah. And yeah, and I it was the best thing. And then like almost instantaneously, there was something there. Mm, we had yeah. a, we we talked for a long time before we actually met in person. Yeah. And I brought him to Indianapolis for a football game because I'm I'm a huge football fan and he's a football high school football coach. And I was a Colts season ticket holder, so I took uh, him. Well, there you go. Uh, to a Colts game, and we ended up having a twelve-hour first date. Wow! Yeah. Wow! And it was just an instant click, and I really, really resisted. Um, and again, I wanted to like totally compartmentalize my life and like keep him at arm's length. Yeah. And it wasn't very successful. Yeah. <laughs> Even falling in love, we can't really control, can we? No, as much as I would have liked to. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So he has um, three kids from his previous marriage. I have my two kids from my previous marriage. Sure. We, um, we dated for about a year, and then we got married. He's a high school teacher. And I was working in nonprofit association management at the time. And he looked for jobs in Indiana, in Indiana, and I looked at jobs in Illinois, and we couldn't, either one of us, find jobs. So we kind of impulsively got ma married. And again, it was my whole, like, if I, like, make this happen, then the universe is going to bend to my will, and one of us is going to get a job. Right. No. Yeah. So we actually spent our first uh, year after being married still living in our respective houses in two different states. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's a that's a new arrangement. I think that's the yeah. first time I've heard of that happening. Yep. Okay. Um, and then I bit the bullet and moved to Illinois mm -hmm. with my kids. I mean, we got a house together and lived together as a family with the five kids and wow and us. Wow. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And that. Yep. I mean, I, I'm skipping over a few years, yeah. certainly, but that that's how it, you end up in East Central Illinois at this point. That's how I end up in East Central Illinois. And my, as my mother says, it's I kind of live in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. And so I went from being a city girl to a, uh, oh, yeah. a rural. I'm, I'm familiar. We used to live in a very, very small town in Iowa mm -hmm. um, outside yep. of Des Moines. We are, um, like Champaign-Urbana is a college town where the University of Illinois is. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a little bit big. I mean, it is bigger, um, but we are like a suburb of the college town. Right. And so like literally, like we don't even have a stoplight in our town. Wow. And yeah, we're surrounded by cornfields. That, I, 
just being able to say you don't have a stoplight in your town, I, that tells me so much about your town with one factoid. Uh-huh. Yep. What a yep. delight. We have a four-way stop sign. Or we have a four-way. Wow. You've upgraded from a two-way, right? Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yep. I love that. Yep. Yeah, that there's... I, I feel like I'm just imagining your exact town with that detail. Yep. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yep. All right. So well, I had five kids. Yeah. Uh, and if yeah, I'm doing so my went, math correctly, yeah. uh, your youngest like just graduated high school. Is that right? He, Sunday. Sunday he graduates from high school. This Sunday? This Sunday he graduates. Yes. Oh, my word. So yes. is... With him graduating and potentially looking at college now, uh, is this yeah. is this empty nester season upon you? <laughs> yes and no. Okay. So my kids now are. Um, I have a my son that I. So all my kids are my kids, of course. And so I differentiate them by saying I birthed two of my children, right? And then I have three other children, of course. So they're all my kids. Yeah. So of the five, the two uh, younger ones are the ones that I birthed, and the other ones are the ones that I inherited. Sure, yeah. My youngest son is 18, and he'll be going off to college. He's going to Iowa State uh, in the fall for cybersecurity. My daughter is 21, and she is at St. Louis University, and she's not coming home for the summer for the first time. Oof. I have twin boys uh, that I did not birth. Mm Mm-hmm. But one lives with his mom in Edwardsville, Illinois, and one lives with me. So they're they're 22. Okay. And he came back during the pandemic and has stayed with us. Yeah. My oldest is 25, and he's in Chicago. Okay. So my 22-year-old lives with us. Yeah. And then just recently, my brother moved from Indianapolis. Um, so my parents, when my daughter was born moved from Pennsylvania to Indianapolis so that they could be closer to the kids because they were the only grandkids. Yeah. So my brother also moved with them um, and my uncle had lived in Indianapolis. So like everybody kind of like moved with me. There you go. And so. Which is kind of a change, especially because you grew up with your extended family just scattered among like Florida and Australia. and Yeah, it was (laughs) so weird and wonderful and wonderful. But my brother is trying to like change careers or do do something a little bit different with his life. So yeah. he packed up from Indianapolis and he is has a job now and he's living with us temporarily until he sure. figures things out. So Wow. So a few changes on you, certainly. Yeah. The youngest you birthed is graduating high school. Yes. Insane <laughs> the way that timing worked, the way I put oh that my together. Gosh, yes. But um so Additionally, during the pandemic, you go and start, or I guess it was right before the pandemic. But <laughs> it was you, before the pandemic, yeah. You go out on a limb yeah. and start what you've created for yourself as soul care now. Yeah. I I want to know everything about yeah, what you've yeah. created. So after all this stuff, so we were talking about like life 1.0 and then I had life 2.0. Yeah. And I would say like in my mid 40s, Kind of related to all that, like checking off boxes and kind of being a people pleaser and being for other people. Yeah. I kind of realized like 
I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't like I don't feel like I'm living to my fullest potential. Yeah. And I had definitely a midlife crisis in my mid 40s. I mm. guess you would la- label it as a midlife crisis. Sure. But I didn't get a job that I was like I I tried for an internal position at my job at the university and I didn't get it. And it really kind of sent me into a spiral kind of questioning and doubting myself. Right. And so I went through this like kind of midlife crisis and I went to a counselor. I went to a coach. I went to a spiritual director, had lots of, I had like team Kelly that was supporting me in excavating kind of who I am and really. I love that verb. Yeah. Going through all that stuff that I had inside and finding finding my truest self. Yeah. And from that experience came the desire to take all my life experiences and package them together and share my love of learning, my understanding of what who and what God is by inviting people to have rest, to invite people to live more authentically, mm, yeah. to connect with God and other people more authentically. Yeah. And so out of that came uh, soul care. So I quit my job in May of 2019, and I opened soul care in October of 2019. Yeah. After like two years of consideration and planning. And it's really this like it I call it an urban retreat center. Yeah. Cause it's a it's an accessible place where people can learn and connect and rest. And it's for people of all faiths, any faith, and no faith to kind of like learn about about God, learn about yourself, learn about the connections between your mind and body and and heart and spirit. Yeah. You know, we do everything from like Bible journaling to tarot card reading and everything in between. Yeah. Because there's different ways that people want to interface with whatever they describe as the divine. Yeah. Yeah. So creating this space um, intentionally to make room for others to experience rest that is a huge mm-hmm. focus that I've found throughout rest your is work. A huge focus. Rest mm-hmm. and connection. Mm-hmm. I I often hear people talk about, and this is kind of my own personal opinion as well. But like we often, especially in this arena of like creating something around what we're passionate about, mm-hmm. very often is in a way. There's always like a subtle, almost like self-serving nature to it, like create the thing you wanted or the thing you needed. So for me with this podcast is like, I, when I got introduced to podcasts, I just went and grabbed like literally over 200 different podcasts that I just like had found and I wanted to know more. And especially in the, the interviewing strain of podcasting, like finding the Tim Ferriss show and him asking the questions Mm -hmm. he does of his guests I found myself very often just being like, I wish I could answer those too, because those are such fun questions. And I love thinking about things the way he does, or at least the questions he's asking. And then I figured, well, I can't be the only one 
who wants to answer those types of questions. So why don't I start my own podcast that I get to ask normal people rather than yeah. Tim Ferriss asking the the most <laughs> like famous high performers in the world, right? Like he just had Mark Zuckerberg on his podcast, which like, mm-hmm. so it's still a dream certainly of being on a show, but also it's like, I, there's like a certain caliber that he's created his show around. Why yeah. don't I do the exact opposite and interview people? I promise you've never heard of, right? but they also have fabulous answers to these same questions. So uh-huh. that is my extremely, even that is self-serving, I suppose, just getting to explain that to you. I imagine that creating soul care around rest, did you feel called to like create a space for people to experience rest because you yourself didn't experience Mm. enough rest through life 1.0 and Mm 2.0? Like it's self-serving in the way of like, I know rest is important. Yeah. And I'm kind of just learning that now because I don't feel like I've been a very restful person until Uh now, right? Yeah, I think definitely soul care is a projection of everything that I want and I I want other people to have it too. Yeah, you create the project that you wish you had 20 years ago, right? Or something like that. And that's, so part of it came out of as I was learning new ways to think about God and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I was encountering people who was going through what's called deconstruction and a lot of kind of spaces. Yeah. But essentially it's questioning. It's questioning. It's breaking down, maybe breaking down what you know and reforming it into something new. Yeah. And I really felt like people didn't have safe spaces mm. and safe relationships into doing that. And so as somebody who for a long time didn't feel like I had safe spaces and safe relationships Mm -hmm. to be myself and to break down who I was and to learn about my authenticity, I wanted to provide that for people both as they're learning about themselves and as they're learning about God. Right. And because I am a person who was very driven, perfectionistic, controlling, and avoidant. Like I didn't pause. Like part of the reason why I didn't know was because I didn't pause long enough to listen uh, or give oh. my space, self-space to know. Yeah. And I didn't even know that I needed to do that. Yeah. Part of the invitation that I'm trying to have with soul care is that this doesn't need to be hard and it doesn't need to be complicated. It can be easy and accessible. Mm. And also with a, like, again, I have a, a really big heart for social justice. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people on the margins who are kind of struggling with all that stuff and like their identities and, and, and feeling on being marginalized. And so there's some like privilege that's yeah. associated with time and resources and money. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of counteract some of that. You know, ten dollars an hour is not is not is affordable. Absolutely. And accessible. And also in a in a space where, you know, they could leave the office and show up at Soul Care in the middle of the city, right? Like I 
like I hear about retreat centers and I'm thinking I'm going into the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, right? Or yes. into the forests in yes. the Appalachian Mountains. It's like, yes. I, and while all that is amazing and yeah. wonderful, not everybody can do that. Yeah. And that creates all sorts of, I mean, like certainly economies can be built around that kind of thing. Plane tickets, hotels, mm-hmm. all those kind of things, like just to get there. Whereas mm-hmm. by the hour, someone can come into one of your quiet pods that you're sitting in right now to record the podcast. Like someone can Mm -hmm. show up, ask for an hour of quiet Mm -hmm. and of rest and use that Mm -hmm. space to take a nap, to read, to journal. Like I, yeah, I love that space being, I think accessible in the way of like, it's down the street from the office or down the street from where I just had lunch. Right. Exactly. And I mean, when we talk about like going away for overnight or going away for a weekend or going going away yeah. somewhere, right? Like people have a hard time even figuring out what to do by themselves in the quiet for an hour. Wow. Let alone like yeah, twenty four hours. Also, it's just striking me that you are normalizing the idea that you can find this kind of connection and this kind of rest wherever you are. Right? You don't have mm-hmm. to go away to a mountain cabin in Colorado to have this like moment experiencing the divine in nature. Right. You can have that experience right here and right now, right down the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) And I think I also have a heart for caregivers. So anybody in our community like I use community, like not just my local community, but anybody like in our fabric of society mm. that is pouring out themselves for somebody else. Yeah. And so whether that is our teachers, whether that's nurses or healthcare professionals, whether it's our social workers and counselors or our pastors or the moms or, or dads yeah, or just the people that are pouring out of themselves we aren't taught to continue to fill ourselves up so that you can continue to pour out of yourself. Mm. Like we're taught that there's only value in the pouring out, not in the having a perpetual, not in the filling. Yeah. Yeah. Being refilled, rejuvenated, renewed. And that's, and that's rest, right? That the, that vision of like regular Sabbath, Yes. Rest. Yes. And so that's where I have a heart for that too. And as a caretaker, as a mom, as a overachiever, as a perfectionist, I mean, all those things. Yeah. I really understand. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I Enneagram one myself. So I absolutely understand the drive, the -hmm. desire to like constantly have something new to show off or something. Yeah. Something to say like, Hey, I made this, look at this, but yeah. Taking a rest, taking a restful walk around the river for me or like going to a movie in the afternoon, yeah. like those kind of things. They don't feel productive. Yes. But I have to remind myself that like, well, A, rest doesn't need to be productive, but also like I show up better. I mean, there has to be a reason, right? That like Sabbath being a once in seven days practice was 
normalized asked for, asked yes. for handed down right as our fifth <laughs> commandment um like right honoring the sabbath and keeping that holy is like there there has to be a reason that that happens so often and especially right. for us americans like mm-hmm. we like if we're not being productive then we're not american it feels like exactly right and ca- i mean catholics for so long like oh my word what we, what that was what that meant honoring the sabbath meant you need to go to church yeah and that's not what sabbath is uh-huh. sabbath is not going or doing sabbath is what our jewish friends do yeah is s- stopping the doing you're right sleep in eat an extra sleep meal in. yeah <laughs> be with your spouse yeah be, read a book play a game Play a game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't do chores. Yeah. Don't do you know, like delight in your life. Right. Yeah, because the chores will be there tomorrow. Absolutely. Right? Like that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You're listening to No Normal People with Kelly Skinner, and we'll be right back with the rest of the interview. Additional theme music. I thought you were going to stop eventually. (laughs) Okay. If you'd like to join us on social media, you could do so on Instagram and or Twitter at NoPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W PeoplePod. Or shoot us an email at NoPeoplePod at gmail.com. Currently, we have signups going for season four of the podcast that will be releasing October, November, and December of 2022. So if you'd like to be on the show, you are more than welcome to sign up to be on the show. And we would love to have you and have a conversation with you. And now for our new segment, Dixie reads uh, five-star reviews. It's not new. You've done it three times. I've done it twice. Anyway. This this five-star review says, My favorite commute podcast. Five stars. And this is from Schmeegan. Schmeegan. That's what it says. Um, and it reads, Stephen and Dixie quickly became my favorite podcast to listen to on my daily commute. They're fun to listen to and keep the conversation engaging. 10 out of 10 would recommend you give them a listen and subscribe. Aww. And that's the story. <laughs> Thank you, Schmiegen, for the five stars. We Thanks, really appreciate Shmigan. it. We are happy to be on your commute, whether you are walking, driving, or on a train, yeah, or a bus, there. or you're biking. I need you to know, Schmiegen, we're always there, even when you're not listening. Okay. That took a turn. <laughs> But that's okay. We're there. Dixie, do you have a favorite show to listen to while you drive or while, like, a commute? Uh, yeah. Um, it's called, um... You don't. You don't have an answer. No, I see who... Can I share my answer? No, I have an answer. I have an answer. Um, any of the shows from the Highline Media Network. Clever. (laughs) I was earnestly going to say that I look forward to listening to You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes when I do grocery shopping on Sunday afternoons. Oh, it's cute. Let's get back to the rest of the interview. Yeah.
so another way you create this space and has certainly become a vehicle for uh, getting the word out there about soul care is your podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear about the kind of conversations you have. I want to know where your name came from and whether it was inspired <laughs> by a certain author. I know we're both aware of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you, you're extending the, uh, the conversations I imagine you're having there in person at soul care at the retreat mm-hmm. center. You're extending yeah. that to the inter- internet for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've found it a delight since hearing mm-hmm. about it. So, yeah. So, one of the things that I have, the gifts that I've gotten from this experience yeah. is the, the, from the experience of building soul care, mm-hmm. is the relationships and conversations that I get to have with people. Yeah. And I, Never have liked small talk and fakery and pretending, and I like it even less now. So when I can just dive right in and have real, authentic, meaningful, deep conversations, I get so energized and it just lights me up inside. Yeah, yeah. So the podcast, again, is is like you were saying, it's very self-serving in that way. Because it guarantees that I'm going to have this conversation. Yeah, you get to collect all these conversations do, with people. I do, who... <laughs> and share them. But over the pandemic, one of the ways that I kept my sanity was having having meaningful conversations on Zoom with people. With people. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of processing the whole thing. So I have um, one of the one of the things that par- soul care is unique is that it's built on the power of partnerships. So mm-hmm. I have um, 15 partners who I've gathered and I kind of provide a platform for for them to do educational programming or to support people through coaching or kind of bring their own specific set of skills and talents to, to the mix. Mm-hmm. And so I started having these conversations with them over the pandemic and then we recorded them because they were like, that was a really cool conversation. Let's have another cool conversation and share it with people like yeah. you're a fly on the wall. Right. And that kind of evolved into the podcast and kind of formalizing that mm-hmm. instead of just doing it because it was fun doing it like, oh yeah, let's be intentional about doing this. Yeah. And I had originally had it, had the podcast name be everything is sacred instead of everything is spiritual. Yeah. But I kept kind of like falling back on it. And even when I had like was calling it everything is sacred, I found myself saying everything is spiritual. And I it is the name of of one of Rob Bell's books. Um, and I really love Rob Bell as an author. Yeah, right. And he offers this very unique perspective on the world and very like common sense, like normal yep. Yep. perspective on God and spirituality and kind of putting it into like terms that we can understand mm, yeah. like in our regular lives. Mm-hmm. And I just really like this, this, I talk a lot about like the sacred and the spiritual doesn't have to be separate from the ordinary and the regular and yeah. our daily lives. Yeah. There's that common like dichotomy of like the sacred and the profane, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't like, I don't believe in that at all. And I've always talked about that you can have 
spirituality in your everyday life. Uh, And uh, you should be having spirituality in your everyday life. And it should be how you live and incorporated in how you live. And I've been really inspired by people who kind of have this way of looking at the world and looking at at the way they want to live their lives that has been inspired by their spiritual views. And whether that's a religious view or not, I, I believe that everybody has some sort of spiritual point of view. Yeah. Even if you're identify as atheist, you still have a, a bigger point of view. Like even if you think everything is like humanistic. Right. Yeah. Cause we're all, we all must be animated by something. Right. And yeah. we have a point of view on what, motivates that. what that is yeah. what's bigger than just you and your own like ego and your own like minute on this earth right like the fact um, that you and i are part of the same universe and yet i i don't know what your experience of this universe is like until we connect is like yeah isn't that proof enough that we're part of something bigger <laughs> right and that's spiritual in and of itself like you don't have to believe in a deity to be spiritual but but if you do believe in a deity or multiple deities that's cool too mm-hmm but I wanted to talk about kind of this bigger, like how people are connecting with something bigger in themselves and then how that is showing up in their work and their lives. Yeah, right. And it's something that I, I don't think people talk about enough. Yes, absolutely. I feel like we kind of blew past me asking it outright because <laughs> no normal people, I'm all about the like, what are you passionate question, right? Like, what are you mm-hmm. thinking and talking about when you have nothing else to think and talk about? I have to imagine for the last... <laughs> Almost 90 minutes now. We've been talking about these things, like what makes oh, up yeah. your life and what you've created out of soul care and the way that informs yeah. passions for learning more, right? Like collecting more knowledge yeah. or co- collecting more experience, creating space for people to create uh, social justice in our world, right? Like mm-hmm. in facilitating that by reminding them that they need a space to rest and a space to connect. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Would you would you mention anything else under these kind of passion questions? I feel like we've we've been pulling on that thread for our whole conversation so far. Um, but if I've missed anything yet, yeah, no, I think I think if I had to define what my passions are right now, I think it would be kind of you hit you hit it on the head. Yeah. Like, I love to learn and have curiosity and. And kind of just make make connections and, and see possibilities and and learn new things and kind of like just expand my knowledge. Yeah. And I really have this sense of like justice, like co-creating justice, provoking wholeness is actually Ooh. kind of part of my Ooh. personal purpose. Another fantastic verb, provoking uh-huh. purpose. Provoking wholeness. Wholeness. Wholeness, provoking wholeness. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I like to think of myself as a provocateur. Right. Uh, <laughs> of wholeness, though, not of like of animosity or division. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. No, of wholeness, of completeness, of shalom, of 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 all that stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm going to poke you long enough for you to. <laughs> Until move, you remember. For you to move and remember that you should be complete. And I, <laughs> wow. I, yeah. Love it. That's great. Oh, I love that. So as your uh your interest in like learning new things, growing and experiencing new things, 
what does that currently look like in terms of hobbies, like things you do outside of your work at Soul mm, Care? What you yeah. do, with your, whether that be with your family or on your own? Yeah. So, um, of course, one of my hobbies is reading because I read mm-hmm. a lot. Up until last several months, I have really loved to cook, but it's been a while since I've been cooking. But I, I really like I'm a foodie. I love to eat. Yeah. I love to like do the whole like gastro experience <laughs> and like talk about what I'm eating and analyze what I'm eating and what the flavors are and the smells are and all that stuff. Right. So yeah, I'm a I'm a cook and a foodie. And then in um I'm a I'm a bullet journaler. So okay. I love yes. my bullet journal my external brain. Yeah. And in January, one of my commitments this year was to express my creativity and to like, again, a practice in letting go of perfectionism was to jump into being like more art, doing more art. Yeah. So I've been painting, like painting in a, in an art journal. Wow. um, With watercolors and acrylics and, and really diving into that. And I, I, I'm loving that as a hobby right now. Oh, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially the painting. I feel like that has been coming up a lot recently in folks I'm talking to, like in mm. an expression of the arts, like even if it's for yourself, right? Like I, I, I imagine you're not necessarily trying to build a whole Instagram off of nope. this art journal. Like, nope. Even, man, even that's a bad word even right with air quotes, like even if it's just for you, that art is meaningful and it's an expression oh, it's of yourself. Totally. Right? And it's giving me a different way to express emotion or thought or connections. Like when I'm reading something and inspired by something and have this like fabulous thought that I want to catch this moment in time, or I'm feeling something and how do I express that visually? Mm, yeah. Or... I'm inspired by a quote and how do I put an image with the quote? And some of it, some of it, I go back and forth between like, I do like to share some of it, but only as a launching off point for conversation. Yeah. Okay. I, I love that nuance to I'm I'm sharing it so that it can create something even beyond it. Right. It's yes. not just for the double tap like on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote, I mean, um, one of the first, not one of the, one of the first things I shared was this painting I did of a um, a woman, like, kind of having her head above water, like being, being in the ocean or being in water and like, like reaching up. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm barely keeping my head above water. I was time I was feeling pretty Mm. overwhelmed. Yeah. And so I, I felt compelled to share it, even though it was kind of tender and vulnerable but i wanted to share it and like yeah you might think that i have it all together but i don't yeah well and also that creates a possibility for connection to say like oh me too right Mm -hmm. exactly (sighs) amazing amazing exactly do you on your day today like to follow any particular morning or evening routines um so my dysfunctional morning routine is rolling over and picking up my phone and morning scrolling, which I'm, I, I want to get rid of. Sure. Yeah. But I, I do on good days, I do morning journaling, which is like a stream of thought, um, stream of consciousness journaling right. for a specific period of time about nothing or anything. Yeah. My husband makes me coffee every morning. 
Oh. So when I'm fixing my coffee and I'm taking my coffee, it always makes me think and remember how much he loves me. Yeah. yeah. And just that little thing. And I've been, I've been doing, it's not something that I'm totally consistent with at the end of the day, but I've been trying to do kind of a mini examine at the end of the day before I go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Um, which is like kind of a little bit of a, a reflection on, you know, what was life-giving, what was not life-giving, mm-hmm. where did I sense God in my day, and what can I do differently tomorrow? Wow, that's fantastic. I love that. Could you mm-hmm. speak a little to what your bullet journal looks like? I love mm-hmm. the I love journaling practices, so I'm ready to mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. So the bullet journal is the thing that was invented by this guy named Ryder Carroll. And um I use a Lecaterm. I'm I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a German journal and you can get it either with dots or grids. Oh, yeah. And bullet journaling is kind of a way to use lists and shorthand and spreads and and things to kind of just, again, like it's an analog organization and stuff management system. I, I love the, <laughs> the term external brain. Like, yeah, if you know it ends up in the bullet journal, like... It, it doesn't clutter yes. the inside brain nearly as much, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Like, again, I mean, just as an example. So I, I have all my to-do lists and I get, um, I get super kind of particular about it because I have like, these are tasks that I want to complete in a month. And this is what my goals are for the quarter. And this is what I'm doing this week and my priorities and my day. And I'm tracking my time and I I do all that stuff in it. And then I have lists. So like all the stuff that I have to do for my son's graduation party this weekend. But I also have like a list of books that I want to read. And so when Yesterday, when I was in a conversation with my new friend, she recommended two books. And so I pulled out my bullet journal and I wrote them right down so I wouldn't forget. And I have my my sons and daughters like college login information and their address and <laughs> just everything that I need to reference. Yeah. And that's where it goes. Know and think and notes from conversations that I have or like workshops. <sighs> I love the practice of because I, I, I carry a little pocket like moleskin notebook with mm-hmm. me when I'm out and about. And then when I'm around the house, I always have this uh, <laughs> larger moleskin with me. And I uh-huh. eventually like I'm still I'm in, in a weekly habit of kind of like whatever ends up in there. That's not just like the to do list that I can check off that day or something. I end up like dumping and like redoing in my Evernote system to keep everything Mm -hmm. electronically so it's like among my mac and my phone and all that just accessible Mm -hmm. anywhere but the uh the normalization for me of i carry that notebook and in the middle of the conversation like my friends are used to me like pulling out my Uh pocket notebook and being like oh you just said something i need to write this down real quick like normalizing Uh just doing that yes is so yeah. good to me. I love it. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And it took me a long time. I think people kind of like there's people who really make their bullet journals very artistic and designed. Yeah. I'm kind of a minimalist in that. Yeah. I do like using like brush pens to 
create like headers sure. sometimes, but I really, I use two cult, like I use black and green through the whole thing. Yeah. And I don't cult, like I don't make colors. I don't make designed out calendars. Like I still use my Google calendar, mm-hmm. but it's just lists and tasks and thoughts and, and I have an index to organize it and Amazing. I can like right in the middle of a page. Yeah. Yeah. If I want to. Yep. These are the, and these are the things fabulous. I love about uh, getting to have like these conversations, right. With quote unquote, normal people is like, this yeah. is what makes your life normal in a way. Like these uh-huh. are the things you do to like, keep yourself going, keep yourself organized and all that. And mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I could talk, I, we just did an interview a little while ago where we talked for probably 10 minutes about our favorite notebooks and pens. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do have a favorite pen. So. Yeah, who doesn't? It's, it's hard. I don't. I don't trust you as much if you don't have a favorite pen, right? Yes, I don't have a favorite restaurant, but I do have a favorite pen. Of course, of course. Oh, amazing! And God help you if you touch my pen. Yeah, right. Or take it. Yes, that drives me nuts. Um. All right. With with uh with our time coming to a close here. I was curious to know if you have any pets, and if so, would you tell me about them and their personalities? Oh my gosh, yes. So um, we have had, since we've come together as a family now, my husband and I will have been married 15 years at the end of this at the end of this month. Wow. Or at the end of this, not the end of this month, in September. Yeah. We've always had dogs, and we've had big dogs. So I inherited a lab... Gosh, what are the other, the big, not Dalmatians. Great Dane. A Great Dane lab mix. Yeah. As my first family dog. Wow. Then we had a Mastiff. These are basically like horse-sized dogs uh-huh. you have. Yes. Wow. And so I always, when when the Mastiff died, we said no more dogs. And then my friend rescued a pit bull mm-hmm. and he was so cute that I had to meet him. And then the minute that I meet, met him, we fell in love with him. Right. So we adopted the pit bull last summer and his name is Baxter. Baxter. And he is a pink nosed pit bull. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. He is really bad and he barks a lot. He's, he's the worst like barking dog I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And he chews everything. And he is the most cuddly, loving, amazing dog yeah. that we've ever had. Does he think he's and a lap dog? Like just gets in your space? He we we call it puppy pile. Yeah. So yep. when um <laughs> when my husband and I are sitting on the couch, like he'll always want to be near us, but when my husband and I are sitting on the couch, he gets like in be like wedges himself in between us uh-huh. upright with his either his head on my husband's shoulder or his head on my lap. Yeah. But the best thing about Baxter is that he has a voice and a personality that my husband and I talk for him all the time. So yeah. we like ventriloquist um, him in our Baxter voice. Yep. Yep. My wife has the same thing for our dog. <laughs> Absolutely. And he has quite a personality and lots of snappy comebacks. I, I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yes. He's wonderful though. Before I kind of check in with what you're currently consuming media wise, because that's 
that's one of my favorite yes. ways to close the show. Uh, would you tell the folks listening where they can connect with you on the internet, where they can find soul care, um, mm-hmm. anything you'd like to plug essentially send, send us your way. Yeah. So, um, soul cares website is experience soul mm-hmm. So, um, there is a link to the podcast on there. There's a link if you're interested in getting my weekly newsletter. And I also occasionally write a blog. So you can go to experience soul care and see all of those things. And then if you're local to the East central Illinois area, uh, you can come to some of our stuff at soul care. The podcast is called everything is spiritual. Again, not to be confused with Rob Bell's book, but, um, but if it's you okay Google if you it, find him while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, read him too. <laughs> find me and then maybe I'll direct you to Rob yeah, Bell. Yeah, <laughs> right. Get the order of operation right. <laughs> That's right. Kelly, um, Rob Bell. And we are on all your favorite podcast platforms. So yep. you can find us on Apple or Spotify or Google or um, any of those things. Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else. On we have social media presence on Facebook and Instagram, and um, I believe it's Soul Care Experience on those two platforms. So the Great. website is Experience Soul Care. The social media is Soul Care Experience. Our logo looks like a little leaf, so there is a lot of uh, kind of soul care people out there, but ours ours is a leaf. Fantastic. I'll make sure I put links in show notes for all of this stuff as well. Someone yeah. can tap around. And you can also follow me. I love random people on Facebook. So you can find me on like me personally on Facebook and follow me if you're interested. Cause I, I post all sorts of interesting things like on my personal page. Delightful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, to close here, I'm curious to ask what you are currently reading. Yeah. So I read a lot of spiritual books. So the spiritual book that I just finished was called uh, Holy Rascals by uh, Rami Shapiro. Yeah. Um, and it's about being a, a disruptor, a spiritual disruptor and a holy rascal. And I totally identified with that. But I also felt the need to kind of get go back into some fiction reading. Yeah. And I love me some post-apocalyptic books and like weird books. Sure. So I'm reading a book that I kind of found on TikTok called, um, oh my gosh, now I'm not going to remember it. Something the ninth, Gabriel the ninth or something like that. But it's a, it's a science fiction kind of science fiction slash fantasy about a group of necromancers. It's really cool. And I'm really, and it, and the main character is like super snarky. Sure. Um, and I'm loving it. Fantastic. Gillian. Gillian the Ninth. That's what it's called. Excellent. Um, what are you currently watching? Like shows you're in the middle of or mm-hmm. movies you've recently seen? Yes. So I highly recommend. Um, I saw this two or three weeks ago, but everything, everywhere at all time uh, is a movie. Mm. And it is uh, It's the, from the Amazon studios. Um, but oh, it's yeah. Like okay. One of those, like, it's a movie out in the movie theater. Sure. It's about, like, multiverses and about love and Ooh. families. And it's so good. And it's and it's so spiritual and so about, like, authenticity. Yeah. And it's right up my alley. 
in a funny, 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 like weird, funny movie. We just finished two series on TV. We finished Moon Knight, which is a Marvel series, yep. which was pretty decent, actually. And Outer Range, which was on Amazon Prime, yeah, which was also a weird, a weird kind of science fiction thing. So I like like the weirder things, the better. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. What are you currently listening to? Let's start with music. What comes up when you open like a streaming app or music you own? I actually haven't listened to music in a while because um, I've been doing a lot of like podcasts and books on tape. So sure. I have XM music and I listen to Alt Nation when I listen to the music. Sure. So excellent. Yeah. What about podcasts then? Like podcasts you want to shout out that you're loving mm-hmm. in particular right now? Yeah. Lapsed is a podcast that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. It's from two women who are lapsed Catholics from the Chicago area. So I find myself like nodding along. They were talking about Lent and Easter. Um, recently yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh, even though I was from Philadelphia, like we did the same, like we're the same person. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, also listen to reply all religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like a kind of a tech storytelling podcast, which is awesome. Absolutely. So if you want to kind of keep on top of tech trends and like society. Yeah. What else am I listening to? I just um, I just found out that Brene Brown's Atlas of the World, her new book. Oh, yeah. You can watch it on HBO Max. Like she's teaching it as opposed to like reading the book. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'm going to watch that. But really, I'm listening to my book and I love listen. I'm that's what I'm totally into right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Kelly, this has been an absolute delight to spend this afternoon with you. Thank you so much for making the time to do it. This has been fabulous. And usually I'm the one asking the questions. So it's nice to be on the other side of the microphone and turn the tables on the interviewer. Yeah. And it's so fun. Like, I don't, we don't get to talk about ourselves like this. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I love, I love creating this space. So Mm -hmm. my final question for you before we close here is, what does the word normal mean to you? I think normal has always been a bad word to me. I don't I never wanted to be normal. I never wanted to like perceive like I always liked being unique. And I even use normal like to normalize things is actually a bad thing mm. when I think about social justice because I think we when we normalize the majority, I think it excludes people. So mm, yeah, I I just don't like normal isn't good enough. Normal isn't normal is a bad word to me because I think everybody is unique and special, and I think I think we should make space for not thinking things are normal. Yeah, and normal restricts us. I wonder if we could flip it though, in the same way that everything is spiritual. If we get to say that everything is normal, kind of in that tongue-in-cheek way. Everything is normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If everything is normal, right? Like. Uh huh. Absolutely. Everything is normal. And that's our fun way to, even in the title of putting the parentheses around the N O in the middle of the word K N O W. Yeah. Right. As you get to know normal people. You really discover that there, there is no normal. There's no normal people. Yeah. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. on that note, would you close us out by reading our favorite quote? Mm-hmm. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Wow. Kelly, thank you so much for the time we got to spend together. I love listening back to that. Wasn't it great, Dixie? I haven't listened to it yet. So <laughs> the magic of podcasting there's is you no could've way of knowing. You could have lied. I could have, but I don't lie. <laughs> In all sincerity, thank you, Kelly. This was a wonderful time. And uh I would very much encourage people to go listen to Everything is Spiritual. What I have taken to calling it when I describe it to my friends, it's like no normal people, except it's explicitly all about spirituality. Yeah. It's very good. Hey, Dixie, I wanted to say congratulations to you. Oh, God. Don't. don't, What are you? What? Happy birthday. I'm going to kill you. Because (laughs) this is the last thing we will record before you turn 30. You know what? I need you to go jump up a butt. Dixie, it's your golden birthday. You're turning 30 on June 30th. I'm golden. You are golden. I'm a golden girl. Look at you go. I used to live on Golden Road even. Like Posh Spice? I'm so Oh, you said golden girls, not spice girls. Yeah, that's a very different thing. Hmm. And I'm genuinely surprised out of all of the spice girls, you went with posh spice? It's the only one I know. That's, that's the only one you Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just going to list Wait. Spice girl can names. Can I guess? No, no, no. I'm going to list spice girl names oh, no. and I'm going to need you to tell me which ones are not spice girl names. Oh, Give me a no. second to think, okay. You're just going to improv this. There's four Spice Girls, right? There's five, technically. The okay. original had five. Later, they went down to four. There's, it's fine. I have a lot of feelings about it. Okay. There's Chinese Five Spice. There's All Spice. No. Nope. There's Pumpkin Spice. Steven, I have to name the spices. There's Posh Spice. Steven, I have to name the spices. I'm trying okay? so hard. Okay. Basil. No, no, no. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to list all... I'm going to list seven spices... Spice Girls, and you tell me which ones are not Spice Girl names. So there's going to be two fake ones. Yep. Okay. First, we have Baby Spice. Second, we have Love Spice. Third, we have Sporty Spice. Fourth, we have Posh Spice. Fifth. Oh, oh that's a give me. Who else me. did I say? You can't cuss. I mean, shoot. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, oh, fifth, we have ginger spice. <laughs> I'm having a hard time remembering which ones are fake and which ones are real. So far, I'm um, pretty sure one of the ones you've said so far is fake. Okay. Which one do you think is fake? Love. You're correct. Okay. So the now- The other ones are all real. Now you're getting- Ginger spice, baby spice, sporty spice, posh, posh spice. spice, and the other one. Scary. Scary? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. I think allspice and Chinese five spice and pumpkin spice is very sure. I was very proud of that. Sure. Funny, babe. So funny. Yeah. Well, well, I was going to have another quiz, but then you disrespected the name of the spice girls and I had to fix that. Sure. I had to fix that. That's a problem. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, sorry. I'm offended to you. Yeah. My birthday present to you will be. I will memorize the name of the golden girls. Oh my God, babe. You don't know their names. (laughs) Steve? No. Oh, God. 
There's Golden Girl. There's Silver Girl. <laughs> there's Bronze Girl. <laughs> What's the fourth one? Aluminium Girl. Aluminium Girl. <laughs> <laughs> the four nations were once in harmony. <laughs> Until the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> Until the Golden Nation attacked. <laughs> Very good. Yep. Well done. These were all. I don't. I don't even want to talk about anything else. This oh, was all very good. My word. Uh, another hearty thank you to Kelly for being on the show today. It was a wonderful interview, Dixie. I'm sorry you didn't get to be there. I'm also sorry. I'm glad your presence is here on the podcast with. I'm glad all your spice. I'm getting girls. presents on Thursday. This is your golden birthday, so happy birthday! <laughs> happy and the birthday. next time, and the next time we record, stop for next week's episode, Stephen. I will be, I will be in a decade that you don't exist in. Yeah, yet. you'll be in your thirties, and I'll be in my twenties. Um, and that will be for the final episode of season three with our friend Shayla Fife. Heckin' yeah! What just an amazing interview. The coming coolest up. beans. So be ready for. Be, just be ready. Just be ready. Be prepared like Schmeegan because we're always there. Schmeegan, <laughs> you're going to have an amazing commute Yep. with you're Shayla gonna, Fife next you're week. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, they said my Apple podcast review name. Yeah. And then you'll be, you'll cry happily and we'll know because we're there. Because we're there. <laughs> oh, you're going creepy again, huh? All right. Yeah. Anyway. Surveillance state jokes. Happy birthday, Schmeegan. <laughs> Okay, bye. Okay, bye. What happens when a Christianish agnostic, a liturgical post-Christian, and a female Methodist pastor walk into a podcast? You get Ravel. One in three people will experience a faith crisis in their life. Faith unraveling is often unexpected and lonely. It can quickly feel like everything is falling apart just from asking a single question. Like, does the Bible assume magic is real? Does being pro-life mean more than anti-abortion? Or how should faith inform how we eat? Whether you're deconstructing, reconstructing, deconverting, converting, growing beyond toxic theology, or just asking questions, we're here to be with you along the way. Each Wednesday, we have a drink and pull on one thread concerning faith in the modern world. Listen to us on the Highline Media Network. Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.